Well, good morning. I think we can all say amen to that song, can't we, that, that Jesus is wonderful. And you know, the awesome thing about him is, isn't it, that the more you get to know him, the Lord Jesus, the more you spend time just thinking about his person and everything about him, he gets more and more wonderful. Sometimes when you know somebody, you think they're wonderful, and the more you get to know them, you start to realize they're not as wonderful as you may be thought. Um, you start to see blemishes and flaws and everything else, like when you look at ourselves, and yet you look at the Lord, and it just gets better and better when you look at his character. And that's uh, awesome thing. Made me think of a song way back that we sang for some of us who have been believers for a while. His name is wonderful. So it's just another version of talking about the Lord and all his wonder. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read this in sections for time, and I've got a few other verses I'd like us to read. Deuteronomy 8. But before we get there, it's been said that, and actually the title for this message this morning is Remembering to Not Forget. Now, there's a lot of different variations of that title, but we're going to be thinking about remembering to not forget. And I don't know about you, but we're a couple weeks into the new year 2011, and maybe this has been a time where you've been reflecting, and you've been thinking about things that, hopefully about God and just His awesome person, but maybe as well just that time of this year where we're thinking about what we'd like to see different, what it is we'd like to continue to remember, to continue to do. Someone has said one of the most powerful areas of our soul is our memory. And yet I think we can be honest this morning and also say that everybody forgets though, don't we? Some quicker than others. I was trying to remember on Friday night when I was thinking of a song, what the song was. And I couldn't remember it. So of course what we do in those situations is we go to Google and we start to type it in and then we find it. And I don't even remember all the lyrics to this song other than this part. Try to remember the kindest September when life was slow and oh so mellow. I know there's more words after that, but I don't remember. It's an old song. Stories told of this older couple that were 
going to the doctor because they were having some issues with their memory. And so the doctor suggested maybe a good thing for you to do would be able to just write things down so you don't forget. So they took his advice. And one night when the wife was going into the kitchen, he asked her if she would get him a bowl of ice cream. And she said, do you think you can remember that? Do you need to write it down? He said, no, I can remember that. So as he was going, she goes, oh, by the way, I'd also like to have some strawberries on it. She goes, do you think you need to write that down? He said, no, I'm okay with that. She goes, oh, one other thing just before he got into the kitchen. Can you add some whipped cream? She goes, yes. He goes, yes, I can remember that and get a little bit agitated. About 20 minutes passed by and he comes back in with a plate of ham and eggs. <laughs> and she stares at him and blankly is looking at this for about a minute and she goes, you forgot the toast. You know, just thinking on this, it's hard to remember sometimes even who won the Super Bowl, isn't it? I was trying to remember who won two years ago. Unless you're a fan of that team, you probably don't remember. I quizzed our radio room on that, and everybody failed last night on it. This last couple of weeks, Cindy and I have been going through some photos in our garage and just looking at all, all the collection of photos, especially in light of uh, my parents passing in 2010. And as we were going through lots of photos, we found different school photographs that we've saved of when we were elementary kids in second, third, fourth grade. And we were looking through these pictures. And I couldn't remember about 95% of those students. And I'm sure they wouldn't remember me. It's a reminder that music styles, teachers, classmates, names, dates, places, old friends, childhood events, promises, and just about everything else we can think of sooner or later begins to fade away, doesn't it? And forgetting usually isn't serious, unless it's a wedding anniversary <laughs> or somebody's birthday that you love. And then you know you're in trouble. Someone has said the world doesn't need so much to be informed as to be reminded. And as God's people here today, if you know the Lord, you know that we need to be reminded, don't we? Amen. It's often been said that we are forgetful people. Whether we're 20 years old, 40 years old, 60 years old, or 80 years old. And that's why the Lord Jesus instituted the feast and the celebration that you had this morning. Where you broke bread. Because God says, do this in remembrance of me. There's a troubling verse, you don't need to turn to it because we're going to read in Deuteronomy in just a moment, but in Jeremiah 2, 32, where the prophet says, Does a maiden forget her jewelry, a bride her wedding ornaments? Yet my people have forgotten me. Days without number. God said his people had forgotten him. One of our biggest dangers is, in one sense, we're not much different than the Israelites, are we? And with all the busyness, and here we are in 2011, maybe you think back, is 2011 is going just about how 2010 did? You realize that there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of busyness, and the temptation, the danger is that we want to be careful that we don't forget God. And we're going to elaborate on that. 
Deuteronomy 8. We'll read the first uh, six verses together. Moses is speaking to the people, and this is really awesome. They've been in the desert for all these years, and they're about ready to enter into the promised land. And he says to them in verse 1, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Isn't that amazing, really? That's a, there's a story in and of itself in just that portion of Scripture. Then, uh, know then in your heart that a man, that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. And you think about, you know, what is it that God wants us to remember? And certainly what God, through Moses, wanted the people to remember here, and it's a reminder for us today as well, is the faithfulness of God. Dean made reference to that this morning. He says to you, you know, I have faithfully led you these 40 years. He goes on to say, as we just read, he fed them with manna, which literally really means what is this stuff that he's giving us? He provided clothing. And as I just made reference to, it's amazing to me, he provides these clothes and these shoes that don't wear out. We think and we look at our closet and we see our clothing. <laughs> And we see our shoes and how many we have and how many times maybe they start to wear, of course, and we throw them out. And yet God wonderfully did this in his faithfulness to them. They were unexpected provisions that they could have never anticipated that he would do, and he showed his faithfulness to them in that. And interestingly, as we read here, you start to think about this, and this is so true in our lives as well, isn't it? That God showed them their need like he shows us our needs. And really what happens as a result of that is then we see the goodness of God. The goodness of God comes through when he reveals the fact that you have a need. A number of us here today, and I trust uh, all in this room, have come to the place when we recognize the need for a Savior. God began to reveal that to us. That, you know what, in our own good works, in our own flesh, there dwells no good thing and that we need to be saved. And then in the process, what happens is, is we understand the goodness of God and how he would give his son to die such a brutal death on Calvary's cross. And in so that, we not only see the goodness, we see the greatness of God, but it came about as God began to reveal that you and I had a need. He causes hunger. Why? So he can feed us. And that's what he was doing here for the Israelites. If you know the story of what went on in those years in the desert, he allowed trials to come into their lives, didn't he? And why did he do it? The scripture says it a couple of times here in these first few, first few verses we read. It was in order to humble them and to prove them and to test their obedience. Now you think about it, maybe it's already been going on for the next, for last couple of weeks in, in this brand new year. But when you're going through those, those trials, 
when you think about what's been happening in your life, when you think about what's happening, when have you had a sense of where God's hand, if you like, is really on your life, and you have a real sense sometimes, a special sense of his presence, and how he's working and his power, you know, isn't it? It's often in the times of the trials, isn't it? You have that sense of that conscious awareness that God is here and that he's doing something and that this is a tough situation I'm in. I have a sense of a need for God. I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it again. I can't go on if it wasn't for the Lord. Adel said that this morning as we were talking. If it wasn't for the Lord, what could we do? I mean, where would we go? How would we answer so many of the stuff that happens in life, even as example in Arizona a week ago yesterday? As believers, we can kind of have some insights. We don't know all the answers. A lot of this is like we says it's in scripture. We see through a mirror dimly. But we do understand some things because of what God has told us in his word of what he's doing. And you know what? When we sense our need, and I trust in that sense today, we're all needy people. That's good. Because then we're humbled. Then God shows his goodness. Then God feeds us, and he cares for us, and he provides. You might ex be experiencing or have the heartache of loss, uh, of sickness, of someone, either yourself or someone you know. You might be in a situation where there's been financial trouble. There's broken relationships that you want to have so different. And as much as it's possible to be at peace with all men, you can't control what's going on on the other side of those relationships. You've done what you can do. But it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Especially to those you love and those you know. And so those are the times when we come to God and we humble ourselves. And we ask him and we say, you know what? I'm totally dependent on you here. I can't do this. Something else God wanted them to do during this time is he wanted them to appreciate his mercy and grace. Despite or in spite of, if you like, of their rebellion. You go on and read chapter 9, and he says, you know what, I just, want, I just want you to understand one thing. The fact that you're going into this promised land has nothing to do with because you've been such outstanding tour guides. You know, you've been a wonderful tour party, I should say, these last 40 years. And we're going to honor you because of how wonderful you've been and how faithful you've been that we're going to let you come into the promised land. Actually, he says, no, no, no. He says, you are a stiff-necked people. And he says, and it's really strong, Moses, through the Lord through Moses is saying, basically, you've been a pain in my side ever since you've been here. And I'm being polite in really how they were. Nothing about the Israelites' behavior. Okay, there were moments where they trusted, and we see that, only to fall. I don't know, sometimes it seems one step forward, three step backward, two steps forward, four steps backward. There was a lot of drama going on. And when I think about that, about how God shows his mercy and his grace to me, I know that that is totally in despite my behavior. And I trust yours too. It doesn't depend on us. If it did, you know, we're in trouble. But God showed that to them. And that just causes us, doesn't it, to just to want to fall down. Just want to literally get off our chairs today, and I would fall right down here now as I think of it, and just be thanking him for his grace 
and his kindness and his mercy in my life and in yours. When we think about how much we blow it, we think about how much we forget him, we think about how often he may be there, if you like, even in, uh, if you could think of it in a physical sense, he's there in our home. Uh, he's there in that car with us. He's there even jogging along with us if we're jogging. He's with us in whatever situation we are, and he's wanting this fellowship. He's wanting this kind of interaction and communication with us. And often what's happening isn't is, is we're just kind of switched off. We have our, and it's often a good thing, but we may have our iPod on, and, we have our, and we're listening to the music. And if it's good music, then even better. But don't forget, we can be communicating with God and speaking to him in those situations. Often I feel guilty. You know, I get up in the morning, or I should say now I leave at night, I work the six o'clock shift until six in the morning. And um, so if I see a few bags under my eyes, that's because I got off at six this morning. But I think, you know, sometimes the first thing in my mind is I just want to go to bed. Or if I'm rushing around, I got to shower and shave at six o'clock or five o'clock at night to get ready for work. And I get a sense and I know that, that the Lord is, is there and it's not a guilt trip type of thing by any means, but God is there and he's just wanting to have me remember him and talk with them. And how much better the day is or how much better the night ends or whatever my schedule is, date or night, I don't know sometimes, but it's better when I'm with the Lord, when I'm spending time with Him, when I'm remembering Him. I find that there's more purity in my life, in my thought life, and in my, just my whole interaction and how I speak and how I communicate with people at work and in different situations when I'm remembering God. And I'm remembering that he's right there in, in my workplace too, like he is yours. And he goes on to say something else, and we have a hard time with this, but he disciplined them as sons, and there was a reason for that. You have children today, I trust, you discipline them. Matter of fact, um, our youngest daughter was reading as we were pouring through all this stuff that was underneath the house, she was pulling out uh, one of her diaries. And uh, she wrote, I got spanked eight times today. <laughs> and uh, I, couldn't remember the, I couldn't remember the situation. Um, and I was trying to think, was that eight times in one go? Or was it eight different times in the day? But she wanted to cite it in her journal. And I know, and I remember actually one of my daughters uh, saying that to somebody that they must have thought she was maybe crazy or they were giving her some kind of strange Kool-Aid, but she says, my parents spanked me because they love me. That's the reason for the discipline. It's to correct. It's because we love, and in Hebrews, you, can, you know the passage probably very well, in Hebrews 12, four to six, writer makes reference to this, that not to be discouraged when you sense the Lord's discipline because this is actually a wonderful sign this is actually an encouragement that it shows that God loves you and he wants to, to make you and, and, and mold us more and more and more into the image of his son. So we should see this as a good thing. And he wanted to remind him of this, even though you folks are a stiff neck people, you know, just think about that, walking around with a stiff neck and that, that's how he figuratively describes them and rebellious. For as long as I've known you and you've been walking the earth, this is when your overall character, I'm going to discipline you, but it's not because I hate you, it's because I love you. So if you are sensing the discipline of God right now, that correction, and he does it, doesn't he? And it's wonderful because he does it tenderly. He doesn't overdo it. It's not child abuse when God's involved in our discipline. 
We take calls like this sometimes at work where somebody says, man, there's some person, they're just like, just, you know, slaughtering a child and they can hear all the screams. And I remember one friend of ours used to say that when she was gonna discipline in this culture we're in that she would close all the windows at the house so that some neighbors wouldn't call the police just because she did spank her child in the right way and somebody wouldn't be thinking that it was abusive. But he knows exactly how to discipline and correct us. And that's a wonderful thing, it's tender. And I've said it many times and I'll never tire of saying this, God loves you and I and he cares for us. And this is a cool thing because we live in a culture where, okay, there's some awesome things about the electronic media. I'm now a member of it and trying to figure it out. But it's become a little bit more impersonal, hasn't it, in some ways, it appears. You know, there's people now, they're, they're texting me to tell me they're calling in sick rather than picking up the phone to call in and saying, in speaking. If you notice and you watch those who have the cell phones, more people are this than speaking and talking. It just kind of, we've lost something of communication skills. And so in this kind of a culture that we're in, remember there's a God who wants to speak with us. He wants to hear us talk to him. Um, I don't think God's using you know, has, you know, Facebook and things like that, you know, or has electronic media. He communicates through his, his mouth and through his works. Something else he reminded the Israelites is he said, you know what? You're dependent. The way that he provided the food and the clothing is you're dependent totally on me. This is my faithfulness, again, shining through. I don't know how you were going to care for yourself. How were they going to eat? How were they going to drink? How were they going to be provided for? And yet God already had it figured out, and he provided for them. Trust when we're in those difficult times, we remember that we may have resources, but ultimately, even the one who's given us those resources is God, and we should be trusting in him. Does God want you to remember today his faithfulness? Is that something that he wants you this afternoon to go home and praise him for yet again, in spite of our faithlessness, that he's faithful? There's something else that's a danger. We want to remember God's faithfulness, but we also want to remember that forgetting God often happens, doesn't it, when things are going well. And this is what Moses wanted to remind them. Look at verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Okay, things are, things are going to be different. They're going to be better. A land with streams and pools of water with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Wow. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But be careful. Notice a number of times in Scripture, just do a word study on how many times God says, be careful. What, what is it he's saying to be careful about? But here he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Interesting, isn't it? 
that prosperity, and we're probably all feeling a little less of that over the last few years, but it is interesting that prosperity has a tendency, if we're not careful, to lead to forgetfulness. And then the danger is, is when you become forgetful, then you might become disobedient. And it's kind of like a, a springboard, a domino effect of what happens when you're in that situation where now there aren't the troubles, there aren't a lot of clouds in the horizon or in the sky right now, there's not a lot of fog, and you're not having to have that real same sense maybe in your mind of dependence and sense of need on God, and he changes the chapter, he turns another page, which is great, and that's his mercy, and we, we love these times that are being described here. But what can happen is we forget. It's an irony. We don't, we don't wish on ourselves and on anyone, maybe just the ones you don't particularly care for, we, we wouldn't really want to ever admit that, but we don't want anyone to be suffering and going through trial. And we don't wish it on ourselves, and yet, sometimes we're stronger when we're in those very situations, aren't we? I remember when we lived in Ireland, as I think I've shared this before, if you remember, no pun intended, but I'm trusting your memories are like mine, so maybe you don't remember this story, but um, we used to, every month, uh, get uh, our support would come in the mail, snail mail, and if it was on, the, we kind of knew usually the week it would be or even the day, and so if I was home studying up in our bedroom and we heard the mail come through the, the door slot there, Cindy and I would kind of, you know, take, sometimes be knocking each other over first to who could get there. But we'd get there and we'd, we'd see the, the statement. Not every time, but many times, we would just say, thank you, God, for whatever the contents are going to be in this envelope of, as to the amount that we were given for this month. Because we didn't know. Uh, we knew, generally speaking, but we didn't know fully. And sometimes there were some serious variations. And so we'd open and we'd kind of like together at the same time go like this and see the, the statement and we would be thanking, thanking God. Sometimes it, was, it looked like it was a little, a little tight and we wondered, you know, how would it go for this month as far as our expenses? But you know what? God provided. Just like he did the manna and the quail for the Israelites. He provided. But we were trusting. I couldn't, I couldn't work more overtime. Um, it was nothing, I didn't, couldn't even do a second job in Ireland because you couldn't be an alien as you were described if you weren't a, uh, living there. You were an alien. We had to go to the alien's office every year and register. And the economy was so poor and there was so much high unemployment that they needed the Irish to work. But so we just all, what, what could we do? All we could do was trust, which was the wisest thing to do. Contrast though, since we've been back, and I have fallen sometimes into the mistake and in the danger where I forget this lesson. A couple of weeks ago, I was in San Ramon attending one of the worst couple of hours that I could ever imagine. It was an evening conference on long-term health insurance. Maybe it was somewhat sparked uh, by the events in my life with my folks over the last uh, year. And so I was thinking, what about this long-term health insurance? What do you do when you get elderly? And I'm approaching there. We got the ARP card coming now. And what do you do? 
And there's all this emphasis I hear talk about long-term health insurance. And I'm not here today to promote it, say it's good, bad, or indifferent. I actually don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, I was just trying to stay awake for those three hours that I was there. But the trouble I had when I left was, as I got to thinking, I went with a friend of mine who's our CPA, and he's a believer. He said, you know, it's just kind of troubling, isn't it? He goes, they didn't have this 50 years ago. They didn't have this 100 years ago. And I'm simplifying this. I, I accept this. But it was in the sense that family took care of family. Of course, there weren't the costs that there were now, so there's some issues to be thinking. But the point was is these men who were giving this conference never made reference to a God who takes care of us. We don't need to worry. Uh, you don't need to get, be anxious about this, about what's going to happen in your health and so forth, because you have a God that's going to take care of you. No, that didn't come out at all. And so I left kind of thinking, you know what, this is all in, in my control to make this decision. And I got to provide, and I got to provide for my wife and I, and I don't want to be a burden to my children. And I was thinking about all this, and I was getting more anxious as I, as I thought about it. And I thought, you know what, I got to table this issue for right now, and I just got to trust. Trust the Lord and see how he leads down the road. I kind of like the way it was in Ireland, and maybe you're in that situation too, where, you know what, you're living on paycheck to paycheck. But guess what? You still got flesh on you. And I don't mean to be insensitive to that at all when I say it, but God is still giving you what you need. You're making it. You've got food. You've got clothing. And so what we can say today is, is where God has given us success, and he's the one who gives it, where he's given us money, positions of power, whatever it is, our stature, whatever it is that he has done, we need to remember not to forget the ultimate giver, who's the giver of all good things. I love the verse, and you don't need to turn to it, it may come up on the screen, but James 1, 16 and 17. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. And that's the problem, isn't it? We're often deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's a great verse, isn't it? Something else as we're, as we're wrapping up, we also need to remember not only God's faithfulness this new year, we also not only need to remember that forgetting God can occur when things are, are going well, and so be careful. Just remember who the ultimate giver is of whatever prosperity that we're in. But that remember that pride is a cause for forgetting God. That's one of the problems what happens when we get proud. And if you're forgetting God, you might want to do a check and say, hmm, I wonder, is God humbling me? Am I a humble man or woman? Or am I kind of proud? You might be that person that says, I'm humble but proud of it. You know, it's kind of subtle. Verse 12, Deuteronomy 8. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, 
and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterous land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which, we, which he swore to your forefathers, as it is today. He did it. Notice that, and I kind of made that reference to it when you're reading this section. He led you. He brought you. He gave you. He gives the ability to produce wealth. Isn't that amazing? It's all from him, isn't it? Whenever we're thinking that anything that has happened in our lives is because of us, or it's because of me, or because I met the right person, or it was the right contact, and I, it was the right people in the know, and somehow it was all orchestrated through human hands, through human circumstances, we're missing it, that it's God who's working sometimes very upfront and sometimes very much behind the scenes, and he's the one who's doing all of this orchestrating. So where's the reason for pride? There's a fascinating passage in scripture, if you could uh, turn to this, and I wanna just read it. I purposely don't have a whole lot more so that we could read the word together on this. Second Chronicles chapter 26. This is an example of, sadly, where a man who was trusting who was humble, all of a sudden, just over the course of some events that were happening, became, and you're gonna see what happened. You might remember I spoke on this several years ago, so this is a, a wonderful passage of, of scripture. But Second Chronicles 26, and I just wanna talk about this guy named Uzziah for a second. You may say, well, I'm familiar with Uzi. No, I'm familiar with a weapon, but I don't know who this guy is, Uzziah. It's a strange name, I don't know anybody who's even named that. But what a lesson to learn from him. Isaiah, or 2 Chronicles 26, verse 3, it says Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. Imagine. And he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. I'm going to kind of read a little quickly through the parts that I, where I want to go. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Notice that, just as his father Amaziah had done. Some wonderful things. Awesome start here. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. He was a man who remembered the Lord. He didn't forget him. Who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Verse 6, he went to war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabneth, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gerbael and against the Mennonites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the desert and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the hills, in the foothills, and in the plain. He had people working in his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. So, you know, you just kind of get a quick size up on this. This, this guy's a successful guy, isn't he? God is blessing him. 
And he's acknowledging that the, whatever success, you get the sense, he knows it's from God. He's seeking the Lord. It says Uzziah, verse 11, had become, had a well-trained army ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as mustered by Jael, the secretary, and Manasseh, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows, and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made machines designed by skillful men for use of the towers on the corner defenses to shoot arrows and hurl large stones. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Brothers and sisters, God has Uzziah in here for a reason. This story's in here for us to remember. What happens when we forget that ultimately God wants us as humble people. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted him and said, it's not right for you Uzziah to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. When, when Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Wow. Always loved that story. And I like to read it. I like to read it regularly. It's one of the passages of scripture I often read because I want to remember that whatever successes that I'm experiencing in my life, whatever good things God is doing, he's the one who gets the praise. And dare, and dare you fall into that thing where all of a sudden you start thinking, this is me. This is my accomplishments. This is my education. This is my ability to speak, smooth, whatever. Be careful. Quickly, as we wrap up something else, just to kind of wrap this up about remembering. I hope this afternoon you don't say, I forgot what uh, we, we were talking about. <laughs> you just remember some tips. Reminds me of a doctor, a guy who went to the doctor and he said, doctor, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind. And he said, the doctor said, when did this happen? And he said, the fellow said, when did what happen? And um, <laughs> some things to remember. James 1, and we won't turn to it, but 22 to 25 talks about being a, not only a, a hearer of the word, but a doer. 
And he talks about, you know, that little section. He says, you know, don't go be like that person who goes, looks in the mirror and says, hmm, looks like I need to shave, comb my hair, you know, do something. And then you don't do it and you walk away. And sometimes you think, well, that would be kind of crazy. You look at yourself when you get up and you just, you see the sight and you just say, well, okay. And you just keep doing that day after day. You know, all of a sudden there's going to be issues and people are going to start commenting on you because you're looking in the mirror, but we're not doing anything. And one of the things we have to remember is the scripture makes it clear. It, it's, God wants us just to remember it. It's not enough just to, to read it, to say, okay, now I've, I've read it. I've read the word, close the book and walk away. But to ever be sensitive to the fact is there's something that God wants me to do. What does he want me to praise him for something that I've read today? What is the action that God is wanting for me from this? Also remember this, that getting over spiritual forgetfulness takes time and effort, doesn't it? Uh, it's a discipline. Like I said, over the last few weeks, we've been looking over a ton of stuff that was in containers. And you know, as I start going over photo albums, and I'm looking at these pictures of my parents, and I'm looking at all of the things that we did as, as a young family, and even all the memories uh, with our family, some of it had faded. Some of it kind of had left my mind until I look at the photo and I start to remember. And you know, you can, as yourself knows, you can spend hours in, when you start doing that of looking at precious pictures of loved ones and friends. And the wonderful thing about the word is as we start to just reflect on God and not forget him through reading his word, then God starts to bring things back. And he starts to remind us of things that maybe we'd forgotten. And it becomes, even I trust and I dare say, more precious than even the love of a family or a friend as you're reading about the wonderful things of our Jesus. It doesn't tire. It helps us if we're dimming in our thinking and we're kind of getting a little bit clouded, a little bit insensitive, a little dull to the word of God. It helps as we keep getting back into it. And hopefully God's beginning to stir back up in us the things that had excited us in the past about what he was doing. So take time in your busy life just to do what you got to do, where you got to go, where you got to go, but where you open up this book and you start reflecting again. Lastly, well, two more things real quick, and you know the verses. We won't read them. Take stock also of the blessings of God. Psalm 103. Don't forget his benefits. Be thinking about that. Remember, recall all the things that God is doing. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 3. One of the wonderful things about, as well, is take stock of this blessing of God, Isaiah 43, 25, where God says, I remember your sins no more. That's an example of what is wonderful. God didn't have dementia there or, amnesia, or Alzheimer's. He chooses not to remember our sins anymore because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take stock of that blessing. The Israelites face an uncertain future. How could they be certain? Put yourself in their shoes. How could they be certain that they would make it into the promised land? In this passage of scripture in Deuteronomy 8, he reminds them of their failures, but he reminds them 
of his faithfulness. The Puritan preacher, a fellow named Stephen Charnock, was remembering, or I should say reminding his friends back in the late 17th century when they were going through a ton of severe persecution. He said this very powerful thing. He said, if we did remember his former goodness, we should, be, we should not be so ready to doubt his future care. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you've given us a mind of this precious uh, organ, Lord, that we can think of you, we can, we can recall. It's amazing, the brain. And Lord, we just want to even use these minds again that you have given us. You're the one who keeps this heart beating every tick it's going, every beat, every function in our body today. God, you're the one who's sustaining us. We pray that these minds that we have today will be uh, never forgetting you, God. Not forgetting your word, not forgetting the things you've done in our life, the past victories and all the blessings and that we'll trust you into 2011 like we never have before. We need your spirit. We confess to you, God, that we are forgetful. Uh, we have a hard time with so much, and there's so much to take in, so much to try and remember. We just pray that as we set aside each day to be with you, that God, you'll just bring to mind all the wonderful things about yourself. And as the choir sang today, our conclusion of it, after all of it is said and done, is that you're a wonderful God. We bless you for our time today, and we just pray now that uh, you'll bless us this coming week, and again, we'll be mindful of you, Lord, in whatever it is you want us to be doing this coming week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.